This episode of Where's My Burrito is brought to you by the amazing tourism board of Madagascar, Max. And of course, you are a huge Madagascar expert, as we discovered last week. And so I wanted, I found some interesting facts about Madagascar that I think would make any so-so uh, traveler want to hop on their first schooner over to Madagascar. And I, want I mean, to yeah, in, in these times of COVID, that's what Madagascar needs. They need <laughs> as many people coming over there as possible. So like hit us with those facts. I love it. Listen, you want to know something cool about Madagascar? Madagascar yeah. is the home to 70 species of lemurs that you can't find anywhere else on earth max what's up with that you know just a lot of lemurs in madagascar and like that's what they're you know known for like the the national capital flag has the the lemur on it just poking its head out uh probably you know a lion king was actually partly based on uh you know a lemur that was there not lions fun fact whoa um, yeah so you have the madagascar of it all but you also have fucking lion hamlet right that's pretty impressive you know, a lot, lot of inspiration in Madagascar. Uh, so yeah, like continue uh, with these facts. What else you yeah, got? I, well, I mean, here's another thing. You know that Madagascar people, which I believe is Madagascar. You would know this, not me. I don't mean to butcher uh, it. It's the Ma Magalizis. Yeah, that's what I meant to say, obviously. Or Malagizis, <laughs> I mean. All right. Did we earn our paycheck yet? <laughs> that's what uh... I'm asking. <laughs> Hey Max, how are you? I'm fine. I'm you know I'm I'm living living large and in charge as they say, just chilling. Uh, I'm literally sitting underneath an air vent right now. Uh oh. Uh, so pretty cold if I'm being honest. But this is the best place for Wi-Fi in my house. Uh, I moved you know back to Florida or whatever, and uh, fucking need to get a Wi-Fi range extender or something. This isn't what? the most exciting podcast. Yeah, it's like, wow. Like, somehow we found a negative zero energy to start the show, and I'm really proud of that. What do you think well, that's going to be like when we hit episode 200? We're going to be like 45, 50 by then, and then we're not going to care. We're going to be talking well, about range that, that's, that's a bleak forecast for our pacing of these episodes, but I mean, probably accurate, if I'm probably. being honest. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry mm -hmm. about your your Wi-Fi woes. Do you know what Wi-Fi stands for, Max? wireless fidelity i just learned that i gotta tell you uh and i i feel dumb because I, how many other things that are like ubiquitous in our everyday life that i actually don't know the origins for what they actually mean right uh, tons i mean you know it's uh, that you know it's like that uh uh spearhead song what is it james fronty and spearhead or whatever it's like oh, the more yeah. i see the less i know yeah. you know aside from the other parts of the song which is about love or whatever bullshit like that part <laughs> hits hard because it's true the older i get the less i know it's just like more details where i'm like oh my god i didn't know that do you think I mean, at some point that there's like you only have room in your head for enough so in order to uh to gain new information a lot of the time you got to shed the useless information you know it'd be amazing if like one day you knew everything about the the lemur population in madagascar mm -hmm. and then like in order to learn something else you're like when am i ever going to use that knowledge you have to forget the madagascar I was talking to friends about this, but it, it does remind me of like those bits on The Simpsons where you get to see the inside of Homer's brain or whatever. And it's like he learns a new bit of information and you literally see his children's names just like fall out of his brain. <laughs> it's like there's only so much room. But yeah. like then again, like I could tell you like entire casts and crews of like, you know, 70s films and shit. But like I can't remember what I did yesterday. So now, that would be a game show that I would thrive in. It's like if I if there was a way to monetize the amount of useless information that's never going to come back or help me in any way, I, yeah. I would be a billionaire. Capital B. 
Because that, that like the way memory works in my basic, basic understanding is that your brain is deciding this information is important. I'm going to store that away long term. Mm -hmm. But why is it deciding that the cast of five easy pieces or whatever is important information for you to store away? Like you never are going to use that information. You could look it up at any time, but right. like, no, you know it. You're a human fucking five easy pieces Wikipedia. You know what's weird about that too is like think about this. Yes, I know that Lois Smith is in Five Easy Pieces, which is a wonderful film. She's incredible. I could look that up at any time, and it doesn't serve me any benefit from knowing it off the top of my head rather than looking it up. However, mm. if I want to try to get to a place, we rely right. on Google Maps. It's not like I remember the route to get to the place off the top of my head. You know what I mean? So it's like, why well, am I keeping this but not how to get to places? You know, one place I never need a map for is Madagascar. Now, Madagascar is great. <laughs> Pipe the music back in. Pipe the music back in. Yeah, Madagascar. Did you know that uh, it's got 10,000 different types of plants? The biodiversity alone, Max, makes it a little worth it you know, to go. They, they call it a biological hotspot for a reason. You know, it's like it's like nightclub of all life. It's just fucking chilling there, partying 24-7, eating each other, fucking like whatever. It's great. Shitting all over the place. That's the great thing about Madagascar. Like the different... Uh, kinds of poop just make plants grow so good and it just adds like this nice weird aroma to the air this real weird poop smell on this island did you know that <laughs> i don't know where i'm going with this did you know that madagascar has a bigger population christian a bigger population than greece and australia no, that blows my mind. Well, maybe not Australia, because as we've as we've discovered, I think on this very podcast, not 10, 15 episodes ago, my crisis of looking up Australia on Google Earth and just realizing there is nothing going on in the middle yeah. of that country. I know we talk about Australia a lot, and I just love that it was like this weird pit stop uh, along the way for early humans. But like they were like, we're not staying in this fucking nightmare continent. Like, Jesus Christ. Right, because we, we've said that evolutionarily getting to Australia was as big a moment as getting to the moon. But what we don't talk about was the exodus subsequently where we're like, fuck this. And we left. Now, granted, some people stayed. Right. We have aboriginals and whatnot. Right. And they're doing great. <laughs> well, well, you know. I mean, they're doing better now, I would say, than they were maybe like 100 years ago or something. Maybe. Or maybe, maybe that's not true. It's like Native Americans. I think it's interesting that we, uh, as a society, and I mean civilization, not as a society, right? Like all humanity, we have we, we kind of repeat ourselves in terms of how we deal with the previous uh, tenants of a land. Right. Like it didn't matter. Like we Americans had nothing to do with Australia, but we but but the English did exactly to the aboriginals that we did to the native americans who were here yeah well hey we we learned from the best the british they're great at that shit you know <laughs> like does it ever really bother did. you that the british also do this thing where they stand on ceremony now where they're like like dolores told me a story about how she went to go see lincoln with a bunch of british people when she was living in england and they were like oh, oh, oh. like they couldn't fathom like why we mm. were fighting for fucking owning people and i'm like what like you invented it you perfected it like the audacity, the, yeah. the hypocrisy of the American experience. Like, get out of here, Brits. You guys have had like fucking thousand years of, you know, mayhem and awfulness just scourging the planet, like the whole globe. And I know American imperialism isn't great, but like, I'm just saying it's not much worse, probably less worse. It was it was easier for us to do it because of technology. Think about how much harder the British had to work to disrupt right. what they, they did. Really wanted it. 
Right. Like, which that's another thing. Like people say, keep calm and carry on, which is like some cute little British colloquialism, but it just means keep calm, carry on. Yeah, sure. You're pillaging villages and shit like that, but you got to do what got to get done because the sun never sets on the British empire, Max. They're they're like marching through jungles, like they have dysentery in their plate armor or whatever. But like they're like we we could turn back, but we gotta rape and pillage as many people as possible. I was saying this. I was talking about Bacardi the other day, and I'm like, when did Bacardi become a thing? Bacardi was founded February 21st, 1862, by a man named Facando Bacardi from Spain. Mm, that tracks. And he did this in in Cuba. And I'm sitting here being like, while we were fighting over the right to own a human being, this guy was getting drunk on beaches and turned it into a billion dollar idea. And, you know, we don't sing him. We don't sing his praises, you know, like he's lost to time. Are you saying that we should? I think we should. I think the official sponsor of our official sponsorment of the tourism board of Madagascar should, in fact, be brought to you by Bacardi Rum, because even though I hate rum. Mm-hmm. I have no follow up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I mean, okay, so uh, this, oh, geez, I just got a text. Apparently, Bacardi was listening in the whole time. Um, and not only are they giving me nothing but Bacardi ads now, uh, but they also are going to sponsor our podcast. So now brought to you by Bacardi Rum. Uh, we're going to have to sing their praises every episode, though. Um, What's so the slogan Bacardi? to that? What's the slogan? Don't own people, own an island. Like, what do you want? What do we want to do there? It's a little clunky. Yeah, we'll, we'll workshop it. You know, uh, don't don't own people own an island. Um, you know what? It's actually growing on me. Don't own people own an island. Drink the party rum. Oh, I like that. That's almost like I want to buy the world a Coke or something. You know, that's our right. version of it. We nailed it. I think that would be this generation's I'd like to buy the world a Coke. You know, I really disappointed <laughs> my mom because my mom was like, Porter, uh, Bacardi is a Puerto Rican company. And then I looked it up and it was like Havana. And I was like, my, my oh. favorite thing, I'm sorry. My favorite thing that you do every time you do an impression of your mom, you do like this little head bob thing that nobody else can see, but it's, it's great. It's amazing. It's, it's how I get into her skin. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I can't do an impression of my mom without doing the little head thing, which I don't think she does, but it's, it's a affectation yeah. that I've created. I don't recall her ever doing that in the few times that I, I was around her, but you know. Well, she got very sad because she wanted to claim uh, Bacardi as a Puerto Rican thing. It's actually Cuban. And I was like, well, maybe they moved to PR because there is a Bacardi factory in PR. Uh, but I think it's probably because like business, because they were like, well, we can't fuck around with Cubans like embargo wise. You know, so, so walk me through the the uh, history here, if you if you can sure. briefly. Um, but like Cuba has had like a lot of beef with a lot of surrounding countries. Right. Like how does Puerto Rico feel about Cuba? <laughs> I mean, personally, I don't like Cubans purely because our flags are the same, but inverted colors. And I feel like, how dare they? You know what I'm saying? Other than that, I have no problem with Cubans. I think the weird thing is this, that we have very similar makeups in that the Americas invaded Cuba and they invaded Puerto Rico. The difference is that uh, the Cubans sort of fought back and like regained their 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 independence They're with the help of like Che Guevara, Bolivians and all that other shit, right? So, so... I think that's why we demonize them is purely because like it was the time that a banana republic, quote unquote, sort of came up and smacked back at the empire. In Puerto Rico, we didn't get that. Like they came in and they sterilized a generation of women and then they basically forced us into being docile. And so now the the big debate on the island is whether we accept statehood because like, yes, it's the bitter taste of colonialization, but at least we'll have representation in Congress, which is something we don't have now. Right. 
So, um, so the next time there's like, say, a hurricane that right. fucks you up, you can get like aid quicker and like. Well, that's not going to happen. I mean, we're not in a geographical hot spot for fucking tropical storms or anything. It's like it's, right. it's horrifying. I mean, I hate to say this because I love PR and I love my island and it's been there for 500 years, but we have like rising sea levels and increasing storms. And it does feel like all it's going to take is like two or three of those back to back before it's not like a place people can be anymore. Yeah. Does that ever fuck you up? Like, you know, we're both from Florida, which is, you know, not too far from that region or whatever. And like, that's the same thing is happening here. Like in terms of rising sea levels, Florida will be okay for longer because it's a larger landmass, but like a uh, lot, lot of our childhood homes and shit are going to be underwater in, in a hundred years or whatever. Um, just yeah. uh, sad. To me. Well, it doesn't freak me out because I encourage Florida to be erased from the earth, uh, but not where my family lives or anything. The, the problem with Florida is this. There's no high ground. I can't be like just moving to the mountains because it's the flattest fucking state other than like maybe Oklahoma or something. Right. Uh, well, well, like my, my main thing is like, you know, like the resale value of this house and everything. I feel like it's going to hit a peak and then it's just going to fucking like crash my mom's house. Um, and there, there's a great bit that uh, you, you watch H Bomber guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, he does He does a great bit on Ben Shapiro where Ben Shapiro is like, let's say, okay, uh, let's say sea levels rise 10 feet, uh, you know, in 100 years. Let's say they rise 20 feet. Um, why, why wouldn't people just sell their homes and move? And and then, like, H-Bomber guy just, like, busts through the wall with an axe, and he's like, sell their homes to who, Ben? Fucking Aquaman? And it's like, it's true, man. Like, <laughs> we can't sell this shit. What we need is, is and we've, this is a topic that comes up a lot, but I feel like this is the time where we need to bring it back, which is we need another sentient aquatic race to, to try to step up because that's mm. what it would be. It's like, you want to have a halfway home for the amphibious. <laughs> Sorry. I was just thinking that's like a, that's like a, like a, like a fucking Adams family spinoff or something where it's just like a group of random amphibians, but <laughs> they're like all like orphanage kids or something. You would right. want it to be a, a thing where like, Yes, the people who can who, who have gills but can walk on land still have the easy access between the worlds. You know, it's a crossing of the threshold. But yeah, I mean, like I know Elon Musk is trying to do his whole Neuralink thing where he's like linking humans up to computers and that's the next step in evolution. But I say we should go the other way. We should get back in the water, start adapting to it. You know, a lot of kids are going to die. A lot of people are going to die. But you know what? Over time, we will evolve. We will adapt and we will be able to walk on land and live in the water. You know how people say, like, um, why don't they just make the whole uh, plane out of the black box? <laughs> but why haven't we done that with like, with, like, submarine equipment and shit? Like, why haven't we just fused our bodies to be little submarines so I could just jump into the depths of, of the Mariana Trench and shit? Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a good reason. Why not? So... Okay, so is this our new pursuit for quitting everything else? Like, there was but yeah. one one noble pursuit in life, and it is to become human submarines. I mean, my basic understanding of ocean life is all informed by SpongeBob and a few sad Richard, Atten Richard Attenborough documentaries. So, like, yeah. I'm going to ignore those and go with SpongeBob. I think it'd be fucking dope. You know, it could be like Sandy Squirrel uh, or whatever her name is, living underwater in her little dome house wearing a spacesuit great wouldn't that be fun you get to be friends with a sponge and an idiot starfish and a, a closeted uh, squid and if we ever thought about the actual implications here's the weird thing about spongebob right because we come into that and we're introduced to this world and we're supposed to take it all for right. face value but if i were to make the spongebob story 
my protagonist would be Sandy for sure. Like mm-hmm. who's just trying to do some fucking underwater shit and like passes out only to wake up to a talking sponge, a starfish, a fucking miserly crab and a mm-hmm. cantankerous squid. You know, like that is that is an, that's the uh, Alice in Wonderland of a new generation. But we just play it for laughs instead of for the horror that it actually is. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a you know a nightmare for sure. It's a Lovecraftian in its own way. Like she doesn't know how these things can talk. How can she communicate with them? How right. do they all like across species? How are they able to talk? How did they run a fast food restaurant? How did the buns not get soggy? How does that grill even operate underwater? You, These are you, questions I want to know. Yeah, you pull one little piece of that thread and it just comes unraveling. And, and not to mention that when they actually do get to shore, shore is live action. And they've right. established that for the TV show and the films at this point. Like if you actually yeah. make it to the surface, the surface of the like world. Hasselhoff and shit, yeah. Very creepy to me. Uh, except that one of those movies has Antonio Banderas as like Blackbeard, which is like pretty metal to me. Well, that that is dope. I, you know, I haven't seen that one, Come and on. now I need to. Antonio, yeah, I know. yeah. I'm fucking up. I'm fucking up, Antonio. Um, but I was gonna say, uh, like, I don't understand the scale of their characters, and I know that it it changes or whatever. But like, he lives in a pineapple, but I feel like he's bigger. You know, he's a sponge, right? He's like a dish sponge. Is his shape? Yes. Is it is it a, is it a large pineapple or is There's he a exceptionally sponge. small sponge? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, also, how are pineapples growing in the ocean? They need sunlight. Mm-hmm. It's also yeah, very yeah. well lit in that ocean. So are they in sh- in shallow waters or? Right. Are they like in a weird uh, hemisphere type situation, like near Iceland or something, where it's super cold and it's just like daylight all the time? Right, like White Knights, like Alaska or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Or Iceland. You said it right the first time. <laughs> these, are, <laughs> these are the questions that keep me up at night, you know? Or at least well, they will now. Can you do this I with any show? Like, I just want to know if this is because, like, I would say this, and I, say, I argue this all the time, SpongeBob, for however you feel about it, is our generation Scooby-Doo. Can you name another cartoon that has had the lasting power uh, or the sort of cultural cachet that SpongeBob has had. And that came out when we were in fifth grade, Max. Yeah. It blows my mind how old SpongeBob is. I know. And it's like this this, this Titan, it's just like continued thriving or whatever. And like, it, I, I guess like if I look back to that time, we had a lot of weird transgressive shows. And I guess kids shows have continued to be weird and transgressive. We saw that with like, you know, uh, Adventure Time or Regular Show or whatever. But like we had like things like Cat Dog, which raised... Yeah way more questions than it ever answered (laughs) uh angry angry beavers which was about like a chill beaver and a not chill beaver right or was it just a dumb beaver and a beaver that wanted to be cool were they really even angry one of them was a snarky asshole for sure and the other one like spoke spanish a lot which is what i remembered about it because i'm pretty sure that it's the same people like Mm. one of those voice actors who was a beaver was also i believe cat from cat dog See, there you go. And then like fucking uh, Rugrats, which is just talking babies. Um, and now they have that new version and it looks terrifying. Uh, I don't My know. My favorite like, part about that is like, like a good the only way to do a proper Rugrats sequel is not to do all grown up, but to make the Rugrat, the titular Rugrats be old now and they have their own kids. 
But like what I want to watch from that in the same way that the Flintstones was like an actual sitcom that had stakes every week and like continuity, like, like, like Pebbles isn't born until season three of the Flintstones, which really blows my mind. Like thinking about it. I want that same thing. I want to see what, you know, Tommy Pickles is up to as he struggles to pay his student loans back and shit like that. Right. Because I mean, like the, the thing that sticks with me now about Rugrats, and I think we've talked about it on this podcast, maybe, but like, you know, just like the background story of those parents is way more compelling than I realized as a child, which is that like Tommy's father is a failure. Like he's a failed inventor. He's a broken man. He's constantly stressing about like where his next paycheck is going to come from. Um, And then like, if I remember like Angelica's parents, weren't they like weird and distant and rich? And like Tommy's just like, no wonder Angelica's a tiny monster. She's just acting out to get fucking basic affection from her parents. Right. And like Tommy's mom or uh, what was his name? Uh, Nerd with glasses. Chucky. Chucky. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird that they name a red redhead Chucky, you know. It also didn't he also sort of have like overalls and shit. I haven't watched this in a minute, but I feel like aesthetically, if the hair wasn't like this Mm -hmm. and it was pushed back, it would be the same Chucky from the Child's Play series. Which makes me like him more. But didn't his mom wasn't his mom dead or something? Wasn't that like a thread there? Yeah, I never saw a mom dead parent. It's either that or she's dead to them. You know what I'm saying? Like the point being, Rugrats <laughs> is the Dickensian uh, masterpiece of our age, and I think that that <laughs> right. is something we keep going. You know, if Dickens was alive, he wouldn't be wasting his time with these great expectations. He would be writing the Rugrats for goddamn sure, and just letting twelve seasons tell the tale. You know, like right. trusting his audience to get it. Also, those parents were weirdly, weirdly negligent. Like those babies got into all kinds of life-threatening situations weekly. Like I, I'm sure my mom can count like maybe one or two times where like I crawled somewhere I wasn't supposed to crawl. But like right. those babies are getting into ovens. They're getting into like they're driving cars. They're. You know, I played the video game. They go. They, they they at some point they take over a robotic reptar. I mean, like a lot of liability, a lot of damages, and, and you know. Right. They got they get away from it. And I feel like at what point are you allowed to call child services on any of these parents? I feel like immediately, like after like the first season, like get them all fucking rounded up and like put them into the foster system. They'd be better off. Is Tommy the only semi well-adjusted one of the ruckus? Chucky was like constantly uh, freaked out about everything. Angelica was just like a, you know, like a, a terribly um, arrogant and mean sort of person. But Phil and Lil, I feel like what was their deal? They were just, they had no identity outside of each other, right? Were, so. were they like on the spectrum or something? I don't know. I remember like they both ate boogers and were gross sometimes. Oh. Like, Billion and Lillian. I don't know. Yeah. I remember that Jay-Z song for the Rugrats movie when we were little. Is that even Jay-Z? I don't think that's Jay-Z. I'm I sorry. To say, like, I'm just imagining Jay-Z, Jay-Z getting that phone call from his agent. Like, hey, Jay, got a project for you. Uh, you're going to love it. Rugrats movie. Listen, this was this was right after Reasonable Doubt. Like maybe he didn't have the clout yet. You know, he yeah. still thought he had to go do the Rugrat thing because that's what like, pours himself like a very strong cocktail. Just takes a sip. Like, God damn it, this is where my career is at. If I, here's my thing, can we pick any other cartoon that's not the Rugrats and see if yes. we have the same existential crises? Because there's different things. Like I agree, Regular Show and Adventure Time. They kind of come after this time where it's post logic. And so you're just expected to go with it. But there was a time period when we were still trying to tell like linear stories within the cartoons and the universes were just terrifying. 
Yeah, well, like uh, well, Johnny Bravo is following that kind of Hanna-Barbera logic of like every episode is literally the same thing again and again. Mm-hmm. And it was just every episode, Johnny Bravo sexually harasses a woman, pursues her without her consent, and uh, is a fool by the end. And he just says, oh, baby. I'm not even sure if he was like mentally all there. It didn't seem like he was. Well, he lived, he lived at home with his mom, which, hey, in this economy, that happens to a lot of people. I'm not trying to pass a judgment, but it would also sort of softly explain that away, wouldn't it? Which is just like, look, this man can't even really leave the house. He can't live by himself legally. He gets a subsidy from the state. Right. <laughs> like all, all of this is, the, it would also explain why, like, he doesn't get that much of a comeuppance. Like, yeah, he's an idiot by the end of the episode, but like, mm-hmm. he also never gets put in jail or something, which I think is like a pretty big right. distinction. Well, I saw that Capone movie with Tom Hardy and like the way Johnny Bravo acts in that show, he reminds me of like a syphilitic Al Capone or something. Like Like right at the end. He's just got like a baby brain or something, (laughs) but he's in an adult man's body. He has the mind Um, of a child. The mind of a child. (laughs) Um, So I don't know if I'm having an existential crisis about that, but you know, it is something that I think about sometimes is that we just put that on air, just a man sexually harassing women, which I guess, you know what? Good lesson. Lesson is that guy never wins, even though in real life they do often. Uh, the thing that always creeped me out was that there was a bumper in between those where he would turn half into a donkey and half into a Johnny Bravo. And then at the mm. end of it, his he would start counting with his little donkey foot, which is a hoof, I think they call in the hood. And he'd be like, hey, man, look at me. I'm counting. And then it would just cut like that was the like, like what am i supposed to do with that as a child right. like, like what is what does this mean what is this bit who came up with this do you remember uh when we were kids that um robin williams would reprise his role as the genie to do these things called uh great minds think different right yeah. because and then he would tell some some right. tale because the saying being great minds think alike and he's like no great minds think different Robin Williams was the best, wasn't he? I mean, I I really mean, I mean, he may have some creepy skeletons in his closet I don't want to know about, but he did seem to be genuinely like he understood that legacy meant something. And like, if he was going to do entertainment that was aimed at kids, it always needed to have an undercurrent of something to say rather than just being for kids. And I think about that with Ferngully, which has this really beautiful environmental sort of, and also Mm -hmm. like animal abuse subtext that's going on. Uh, And then even like Genie, like I feel he did a lot with that role and it just seems more thoughtful than most people about it. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, we've told this story and Lindsay Ellis does a great video on like how he didn't even really want his name to be front and center on the poster or in the promotional materials for Aladdin. He just wanted to do it because like some guys saw his standup and animated it uh, to the genie and sent it to him. And yeah. he was like, Oh, I love it. Um, but yeah, no, I think he was great as by all accounts, my mom met him as I've also talked about. And oh, she was yeah. like, yeah, he was great. He was coked out of his mind, but he was great. I like when you get coked out of your mind and you're not a bad person. Like that's half yeah. the battle. Like I think that all the time is like, <laughs> I have this weird thing with people who drink and who get mean. And I'm like, why are you drinking? Drinking's supposed right. to make you feel good. If you're, if you have a bad reaction to drinking, you should just stop drinking. No one's forcing you to do it. So right. I love the idea that Rob Williams is just constantly coked out of his mind, but just so nice while doing it. You know? Yeah. He was just constantly on, which I can imagine would be exhausting to be around, but still endearing, you know, or to not- be him. I wonder at some point how rough it must have been just to be Robin Williams. Yeah. You know, like, well, I mean, if you looked at him in his later roles and I know he was dealing with chronic pain too, but he did look just so much slower and tired, like more tired. Um, so I can imagine that that took a toll after a while. You don't think like, Jim Carrey, like, like that, like you burn out. Oh what? yeah. 
Well, I mean, I was just well, Jim Carrey is a different case because I just think that he's actually insane. Like, I don't know. He, he's dealing from a reservoir of just pure pain and sadness. And, and and he's turned that into fun. But I also think like Jim Carrey is a weird guy because I don't think the things that Jim Carrey thinks about himself that are funny are the funny things about Jim Carrey. Because I've seen him like on other talk shows and stuff and he really leans into like the physical aspect of the like weird kind of uh, movements that he makes. And I'm like, that's not yeah. why you're good. Guy. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to disparage the guy, but he does remind me of like as a child, he was probably praised like by his you know, like being a class clown or something, doing goofy faces or doing weird stuff with his body or whatever. And he just never like moved past that. He just kept doing it, like chasing that childhood approval he got. I know one story. I mean, he's told it, so it could be totally apocryphal, uh, apocryphal or uh, God, apocalypse now. No, hey, hey, geographic, where you where you like make some part of your life into something that would seem cinematic or something. And so yeah. like there he, he says that I used to go to sleep with my tap shoes on because then my parents would get into fights and I would stop them fighting by bursting into the room and doing tap routines. And I'm like, that's either uh, an incredibly sad story. It's not like it's cute <laughs> either way <laughs> or it's a terrible lie. The, which yeah. says so much more about you as an individual than it does. That's about like one of the parents. saddest things I've ever heard. I'm depressed now. Jesus Christ. Just thinking about young Jim Carrey wearing his little tap shoes to bed. Listen, I get that, but I do want to say one thing. That whenever I'm feeling really depressed, I always know that I am I am nothing but a but a you know um, a skip and a hop away from the lovely island nation of Madagascar. Max, listen. Hey. Madagascar, did you know this, are culturally and, I, and evolutionarily way closer to Southeast Asians than they are Africans. How? I don't know, because 165 million years ago, continental drift broke these fuckers apart. And it's the same reason we have 60 different types of lemurs. Go to Madagascar. Uh, that's it. And also, just a fun fact about them, too. If you are a criminal who wants to commit some crazy crimes, whatever they are, no judgments here, Good news, they just abolished the death penalty, so uh, free and clear. Anyway. It's hunting season, boys. <laughs> uh, so listen, I just got back from Brooklyn, the place that you just escaped to, like a thief in the night. Yeah, like I was there, and then the next week you were there, and it's just like, fuck, just miss each other. I also on Johnny, who was in Florida as well at the time right. that I was in New York. So. I did get to see, um, but yeah, you, you got to do some things and see some people or whatever. How was New York for you? You know, New York is the, the magical place in the world where no one person can fuck up a New York for you. I mean, Bin Laden tried, you know what I'm saying? And it didn't work for him either. Right. Uh, Do you think that was his like main vendetta? He just really didn't like specifically the city of New York. He was like, I don't want to undermine American democracy in the world stage. Like, right. I just hate New York. Like, everyone's a, a little visit. too chill there, which is weird. It's a weird <laughs> adjective. But yeah, I think that was his only goal. Uh, similarly, I, I had some weird experiences with a couple people. But other than that, like the thing like New York is so fucking amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. And I even spent some time in Manhattan, which, as you know, and the podcast listeners will know, very adverse to being on that island, but really enjoyed it this time. I think it's a right. perspective thing. Went as spring. a visitor as opposed to a resident, it's different for you. I think so. Totally. Yeah. But we've talked about this. It's just like if you go to Manhattan and you need to get back to Brooklyn past a certain time, it becomes a nightmare and even more so with COVID. But outside of that, it was great. I stayed in downtown Brooklyn. So I just walked across the bridge, biked everywhere. You know, did a lot of stuff like that. Saw a lot of old friends, had a great time. But I, I, I'm, 
honestly, <laughs> I'm talking about all of this because I just want to tell you about my favorite pastime, which I've also talked about on this podcast. So this is sort of a sequel, but it's um, hotel movie experiences. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about this. And I just want to point out, I didn't go to New York and then spend all day watching movies. It's going to sound like that in a second, but this was like at night after I've gone out and done stuff, I'd come home and there's like movies on the TV. Uh, right. And so like watched all of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, which I've never seen before. And they're weird. <laughs> Those are weird movies. Yeah, um, they're very weird. I don't even want to get into the Jamie Foxx of it all. That was really creepy. And then uh, I watched Deep Impact, which holds a very special place in my heart, which is a 1997, I believe, disaster film produced by Steven Spielberg, released by DreamWorks. Yeah. Um, always forgotten of, I think, as the as the cousin Oliver, the redheaded stepchild of Armageddon, which came out the same year and made more money. Uh, rewatching it now, do you think that it's better or worse than Armageddon? Armageddon, like, again, we just sort of talked about this, like, Michael Bay is not a great filmmaker, but he is a singular filmmaker. Like, mm-hmm. there's just really no other way you can describe that, you know what I'm saying? Whereas, like, I was watching Deep, Deep Impact, and, like, this could have been directed by anybody. When you watch a Michael Bay movie, even though if they're not great, you kind of come to this realization that only Michael Bay could have made this movie. Yeah. You just see that common thread of disdain that he has for his audience and everybody who's not him. It's great. And his adoration for all militaristic actions and whatnot, mm-hmm. like glory shots. So it's like, uh, I think Armageddon is probably a better movie, but but Deep Impact is so interesting because it, it like it's telling a much different story where in effect, they're the same story, right? Like Deep Impact has a subplot about astronauts going to the a- asteroid to blow it up to avoid collision. And that is literally the plot point of Armageddon, save for some oil drillers or something. But then Deep Impact has this whole other side story that's going on about journalism, about the government lying to the the, the, the press and to the Ooh. American public and stuff like that. It's very, very interesting. And then it's all centered around Elijah Wood's character, who is a fucking 16 year old nerd who discovers this asteroid that's <laughs> no but he's just so weird so like whatever i'm just like i want to focus on how weird he is in this movie which is like it has more to do with uh he discovers it and so after we realize that the there is going to be a collision with this earth at some point they pivot which is something that they never do in armageddon the threat in armageddon is if this fucking asteroid hits everything's going to die we're in deep impact they like let you straight know martial law gets enacted there's a lottery system that's like we're gonna we're gonna house eight hundred thousand people underground for three mm-hmm. years and then we're gonna come back up and try to repopulate it so it's, there's this extra fucking caveat of things that are going on and this right. all sort of culminates with uh people being selected including all of our main characters like tia leone i think is in this movie is it tia leone let's say it is yes i, I got uh, the wikipedia page <laughs> okay. So Dee Leone is like, she's a journalist who breaks the story and then ends up being like the main anchor when all this happens. And, and uh, once we know it's going to hit, everyone gets selected. She gets a spot in the, in the, in the uh, afterworld as does Elijah Wood Um, Mm. and both shirk them for different reasons. It's very interesting. Mm. So, Tia Leone's big moment is that she has an estrangement with her father, which they do not introduce until 45 minutes before the movie is over. But that needs to get resolved by the end of the movie where she stands on a beach as a super tsunami kills her. I, I remember that scene. Yeah. Doesn't, She's holding doesn't her father. Say, yeah. Okay. This is like childhood memories coming back, but uh, doesn't she like admit to her father? Like uh, when I was 12, I stole $20 out of your wallet. Never yes. told. Yeah. Okay. Right. I remember, I remember this movie now. 
it's a little late for them to to include the scene, but it's in there and fine. You get a little bit of a personal moment. Now, the other subplot to this is that Elijah Wood's family has gotten in and he marries his underage teenage girlfriend to get her to come with, but her family isn't included. So basically they get separated. And as he's going into the vault, he decides, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go get her. So then the next couple times you see Elijah Wood are unintentionally fucking hysterical. Like, mm-hmm. so he goes off and the next time you see them is when the president's talking and it's like showing people gathering around listening to the president as he speaks as if he's president. Played by Morgan world. Freeman, Morgan right? Morgan Freeman, yep. And like the first time you see him, he's not even looking at a TV. He's listening to a fucking like CB radio full of like, the only word that could be described here is like immigrants who are trying to cross a border, like a caravan of, of, of people who are trying to cross into the United States or something, which makes yeah. no sense to me. So literally there's just like apropos of nothing, Elijah Wood, 15 year old shaggy haired nineties, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Thomas haircut is just with a bunch of like caravan of migrant people trying to cross a border. And then the next time you see him, uh, not explained he just has a dirt bike and he's very good at riding this dirt bike and he is just like doing jumps and shit weaving through traffic until he finds his girl who uh he finds and then 10 minutes later the asteroid hits so he's just like uh, dirt biking up a mountain to save their life i don't know what's going on with this movie and you know what the other thing is because it's a tv version there might have been like a five minute scene that explained yeah. where he learned how to ride a dirt bike or well, I mean, it. you know, it was, it was the late nineties. It was 1998 Christian. And like the, <laughs> the dirt bike demographic was the hottest demographic in the United States for like a two month. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Crazy. Uh, That's all I got. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought you were going to keep going. I thought you had some passionate like plea. Oh, about no, well, I mean like now it's Madagascar. Like that's our hottest demo. Right, we got to get him. We got to get him. You're great, Madagascar. You're Oddly great. enough, did you know that uh, Madagascar hosts the largest motocross uh, Grand Prix in the entire world? Wow. I actually didn't know that. I don't think they do. And so <laughs> I need Madagascar to get on that. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm lying to actualize that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, because it's not a lie yeah. if they do it after the fact. That's all I'm saying. Well, it does unfortunately remain one of the world's uh, unhappiest places, according to the World Happiness Report. Um, so we really need to get motorbikes into Madagascar, more motorbikes, more tourists, more gentrification. Let's get those happiness numbers well, up. Well, I, I followed it for a minute, but I would say this, like what we need is just more general transportation. New York is very interesting because since I've last been there, they've super embraced city bike, by the way, like city bike is everywhere now where back in the day, it was like only in a couple spots. Right. Uh, but now they've embraced the the scooter. You can just scoot places and shit. <laughs> and I'm Maybe wondering, we could, like, yeah, go ahead. Public, we could publicly shame like Elon Musk into giving everybody a Tesla, you know, you just everybody on the island. Listen, I was thinking about how how effective blackmail or shaming works because I like I listen to John and Hank Green a lot. I like those dudes. Uh, I like Hank Green because he's a scientist, and I like John Green because he's a writer, whatever. And I think they're decent people. But I was looking on their website, and they're always talking about inclusivity, inclusivity. And I went on Complexly's website, and you have to scroll for a full forty five seconds before you see a person of color and their staff. And I just wanted to know, like, do you think I can shame them into getting me a job like that? I'm probably not qualified for. But just because I want to say, like, you can't say that you're allies and then have a staff of 95% white people. I think that you could do it. I think that you should do it. Um, I think. <laughs> Was that Army? Were you being Army Hammer there? <laughs> if there's any, if there's any good person to be in the year of our Lord 2021, it's Army Hammer. You know, right. he's got the hot no commodity. He's skyrocketing. He's shooting star, baby. 
he is one of those people that I'm not super surprised that he might be a cannibal. I mean, that's whatever. Like, especially after that performance in Sorry to Bother You. Like, I feel like it was all there. Boots Riley saw it and he just captured it on film. <laughs> he's like, What do you want me to do? You want me? He's like, No, I just want you to be yourself. Trust me. Like, Boots is a visionary. He totally fucking understood it. Right. I think you can rap. I think you should rap. It's <laughs> uh, terrible. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it's almost like the lack of surprise. Not to get on a whole army hammer thing, but like the lack of surprise makes it like less terrible in my brain. And I know it is terrible. Like you read those messages, and it's like, oh my god, that's disgusting. That's terrible. But at the same time, like, sorry to bother you. He's great. He's yeah, great. It was all that. there. It was all there. It's like you ever seen that video of Gandolfini when he's like out in the real world and some guy keeps trying to take a picture of him and he like walks up to him and smacks his phone. He's like, get the fuck out of here. And he's doing his full Tony. Like, because we know that Gandolfini does not sound like Tony Soprano. Right. But he, but he put it on to threaten this guy in public. And I was mm -hmm. just like, yeah. I mean, like, if he ended up actually being this wise guy, he was going around like killing people. Would you be surprised? Like it was all there every now right. and then. It's like John Ham, same thing. If John Ham ends up being some womanizer piece of shit, it's like I'm not shocked. I gotta tell you because yeah. he wore it so effortlessly. Yeah. Well, do you think that like John Ham's, uh, you know, brush with drinking fake alcohol and smoking fake cigarettes just like turned him into an alcoholic and a womanizer? Like, do, do you think that the, real... the character like got got in in his brain a little bit? I mean, maybe. How do you? what do you smoke when it's fake cigarettes and what do you drink when it's i guess that's easier because you can make like tea and be like that's whiskey or something but like right it's something like rose uh petal or something like that it's like a non-toxic like and it tastes terrible is what i hear and they had to smoke them all day um but, but does like it does it hurt your lungs the same way i feel like if you inhale smoke it's gonna hurt your lungs like right it's never good for you but i i think it's much much less bad for you than the reg reg kind the well, reg kind is it you know. is it strange to you that cigarettes still are like a thing like when i was a kid there seemed to be this real organized campaign like the truth right like they, they they would have like all these different commercials about like preventing people to smoke and i thought there were inroads being made there because like i don't know too many people my age who smoke mm -hmm. uh i think smoking's pretty weird i think it's like a slightly older generation those people who think they're rebelling by smoking a cigarette or something like that but they're still trucking cigarettes are and do you think, I'm just wondering, like, is this a thing where there's always going to be new kids who are getting hooked and I just don't see it? Or yeah, is this going to die mean, out? Like, it, it's like with everything, it's like it predominantly affects poorer communities, you know, across all like spectrums pretty much. And it's because I think like, you know, you grow up around it and you see your parents doing it. And like, that's one of the reasons I felt comfortable starting to smoke. Not that I grew up poor or anything, but like my mom smoked and then all my friends were smoking and it became like acceptable to do. Um, but I think like, if you're just growing up in that environment where it's like an okay thing and then like fucking Asia, forget about it. Apparently like those fuckers smoke all the time in like China and Japan specifically. Mm. Um, it's like a constant thing. Lung Does your mom still smoke? Uh, like one a week. Okay. Yeah, she's a Virginia Slim gal, is what I remember. She loves her Slims. Uh, I but I was going to say... Menthol, though. I hear Biden was like, get out of here, menthol. You get in the boat. Is that the biggest priority? I mean, I'm not mad at it, but like that's a weird thing. Sometimes Biden. in life, you got to focus on the problems you can fix. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, well, I'm glad your mom stopped smoking. I'm glad that you're smoke-free and stuff like that. I was just wondering if this is something that's going to eventually die out by virtue of it like us getting wise to it. But I think it's what Vonnegut said. I keep smoking these things, waiting for it to kill me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there was an idea that like, 
it's like Mad Men where, where Pete's like, you got to get there anyway, right? Or whatever that slogan was, or he's right. talking about smoking you because we all have- gotta get, you're going to die anyway. You still got to get where you're going. Yeah, I love that. I actually like, thought that was a genius that? campaign. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first time I liked Pete in that show. I was like, oh, maybe he's not an idiot. Maybe he like sort right. of gets the human psyche. But he was like just three decades ahead of his time, you know? <laughs> Which is weird. He had like James Dean and shit, you know? Like the 60s were full of like those icons that you could easily sort of attach a ad campaign around, you know? Right. Like those iconoclasts or whatever who were like rebellious and smoking and then they died. Do you ever, do you ever think about how close we were to like maybe doing anything other than tobacco? Like, I just want to know, because, like, tobacco is a very ancient thing, right? Like, we, we had, like, indigenous tribes from all over understood tobacco as, like, a digestive uh, aid and stuff like that, you know? Mm -hmm. But I just wonder, like, how close we were to some other thing being the big vice in our life. Right, because I know that it was a dude who married Pocahontas was, like, the main uh, proliferator of tobacco. Like, he was the one that made those crops thrive, and it became, like, the cash crop of the southern colonies for a while. Mm. But, yeah, like, yeah, like, what if it had been weed, you know? What if uh, fucking, um, I, I want to call him Charles Foster Kane, but what's his real name? William Randolph Hearst yeah. hadn't been so goddamn against Mexicans and uh you know hadn't printed all those screeds about it being like the mexican weed the devil's weed and all that shit yeah we'd be like smoking marlboro kush <laughs> well that's the thing i'm actually surprised that none of the tobacco companies have really gotten their hands on yet like or maybe maybe they are through shell companies and shit i don't know like maybe they're like hiding their their special interest and shit but it did seem to me like oh that would be the next step is that you would get tobacco lobbyist lobbying for marijuana stuff and like or like spliffs think about spliffs which are ubiquitous like let me tell you i've grabbed a joint here and there in europe and they don't really fuck with just flour like Mm -hmm. everything is a spliff which i sort of i like respect ideologically where it's just like yeah we're not trying to get fucked up like we're trying to get the best of both worlds and i sort of like that you know i mean you you still smoke uh with like cigar paper right which is still tobacco still has a little bit of nicotine in there yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I should probably just get out of that. You know what it is? I like the action of smoking. I like the sure. routine. I like the picking something up and smoking as mm-hmm. opposed to like vaping and stuff. I'm watching this Mayor of Easttown show with Kate Winslet. And like, I like Kate Winslet, but on like the third minute of the show, she's vaping. And I was just like, I don't know if I could support a vaping protagonist. Okay. I'm not there yet. And I'm sorry if that makes me old, but I can't do it. Uh. Yeah. Uh, did you see um, it was like the one decent sketch on that Saturday Night Live thing uh, where it was like a Mayor of Easttown parody? Oh, no, I didn't see it. I couldn't it was... support Elon Musk. Come on, guy. Yeah, no. Well, he's only in this sketch for like a second, but it was like uh, it was called Murder Dirter. It was just making fun of like how they fucking talk in that specific region of Pennsylvania. It's like, that... Water, your daughter has been murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. W- water. Uh, that's really close to where I live. That's 15 minutes from where I live. That show takes yeah. place. It's like and so 15 it's minutes west, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's by uh the college, uh, not Bryn, Bryn Mawr College. It's right over there. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like 10 minutes away. But either way, I was like really surprised by that and watching it. And I was like, oh, that is oppressively gray, much like like much of actual Pennsylvania. <laughs> so it kind of worked out. I think it's I think it's fine. Uh, but still, couldn't get over the uh like small town. Nothing changes except the mechanisms in which we smoke shit nicotine yeah Yeah. i guess because that's the thing if you're gonna vape like it's the same thing with smoking in general other than the one time i got into a fight with my brother-in-law i've i've never understood smoking like i got into that fight with my brother-in-law and then my brother gave me a cigarette and i was like i don't smoke and he's like trust me but i smoked it and i was like 
okay, I get it because I'm calming down. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like it was this really great like uh, release or whatever. But otherwise, I've always been like, if you're gonna smoke, why not smoke weed? Because you get something out of it as opposed to what mm-hmm. I think you don't really get out of nicotine. But you were a real yeah. smoker. Like you smoked for mm-hmm. years. Yeah, I did. I mean, like, are you asking me like what I got out of it? I guess like I, because here's what I'm. Yes, I am. But I will caveat it with a. I'll catch. I'll couch it a little bit better, which is to say that I remember when you quit smoking. There was this revelation for you because you're like, I can taste food again. And also it's weird that I can like not get winded doing normal things that you shouldn't yeah. be getting winded for. Because well, I was like 23 years old and I was get, getting winded going up the stairs and I was like, this has got to stop. This is terrible. <laughs> um, and it's like something I was spending money on that I didn't need that was doing my body harm or whatever. But yeah. like, yeah, the initial thing is like, it's like it is in all those fucking, you know, uh, fucking very special episodes where somebody gets hooked on something. It's like they tried it first. And it is nice that, you know, first time you get a nicotine hit and it calms you down a little bit, get a little bit of hit of euphoria and something you can kind of casually puff and take like long pauses in a conversation. And it feels like a very social thing to do, uh, especially if you're surrounded by other smokers. And then as you progress, you realize that you start getting cravings for it and almost immediately become addicted to it. And then it just becomes a thing that you have to do as opposed to a thing. So you're just relieving a craving as opposed to enjoying like a high. If that makes sense. I, 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 I understand the function of it for the idea that it makes you seem real contemplative or to punctuate a point. Like again, sure. watching Mad Men, every time Draper is saying something and he purposely takes a dress, he's drawing everyone in, you know, mm-hmm. like there's that, there's that aspect to it. And I guess there's like a social aspect to it, but I've just never understood the, the pros versus the cons or whatever on it. And I feel very yeah. fortunate that I've never been a smoker. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is like that kind of death wish thing or like a rebellion thing or whatever. And then just eventually like it it isn't like anything that you can really justify to yourself. It's just something you do. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think about the way the mind works and the way thought patterns work and stuff like that. Uh, so here's a little bit of like confessional news. And I told you this uh, off pod, but I'll say it on here because I have no problem with it. Um, I, I got uh, diagnosed with OCD at 31 years old, which is very strange to me. Um, and it's strange. And the reason I want to talk about this is because I think if anyone else is feeling this way, but doesn't know, I thought OCD was manifested in like repeated washing of hands or doorknobs. I thought it was like as good as it gets or matchstick men or something. Seriously, seriously. I thought that's what it was. And, um, that's certainly part of it. And that's how it can manifest itself, manifest itself in anxiety and in depression more so than anything in my case, obsessive thought patterns and thought spirals. Um, so my therapist was talking to me about it a little bit and she calls it urge surfing, which is like you, you're on this board and then you freak out at how big the wave is. So you bail instead of talking to yourself, understanding that like, you're, you'll be fine. Like it's going to end. The wave has to come back down at right. some point. And so like, that's what it ends up becoming. Um, and it's, it's a weird thing to learn something about yourself at 31. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like I thought my life was sort of figured out and it's like, Oh no, there was this whole other part of me, uh, that has existed for a very, very long time. My therapist, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing was like, Oh yeah, I've kind of been waiting for you to get to this point. I'm like, why wouldn't you just share with the class? Like if you had some knowledge of it, but I was, you know, I, I want to bring that up because I want other people to know if they're feeling like this, Hey, there's like recourse for that. Uh, sure. But so you've known me for 20 years now, which is insane mm-hmm. to say you're like my oldest friend. And I would say, like, have, has any of this manifested and you've thought, oh, maybe there are some obsessive thought patterns with Christian and stuff? Or is this also news to you? I mean, it's news to me, but like I, I don't I'm not in the habit of like 
diagnosing anyone or anything. Like I didn't even think there was something to diagnose. I think that like in terms of your friends, unless you like notice like very specific like pronounced patterns, Mm -hmm. you tend to just accept certain things that could be classified as something as just a part of their personality too. So like that might be a part of it if that if that makes but sense. But you're so in tune like, because like you were telling me over the weekend you knew exactly when like my mood changed in something based on my right. fucking texts. Which like talk about there's no context or uh uh in uh, what's the word I'm looking for um inflection when you're texting mm-hmm. people and yet you still knew. That's what I'm saying. You're very perceptive in a way that I think few people are. Right. Well, I've just also known you for 20 fucking years almost now, um, yeah. or almost exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I would say that, like, I, I, I guess you have, like, historically, like, fixated on certain things, or you do tend to ruminate, especially if something bad happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I just never, like, thought of that as, like, a like an OCD thing, though, because that's kind of, like, how it manifests for you, right? Yeah, it's just it's thought patterns where I literally just go in spirals on shit and run the worst case scenarios and stuff. But it explains so many other things like, you know, I'll have these like weird depression nosedives where I'm just like Mm -hmm. watching the last uh, recorded testimonies of plane crashes when they go down (laughs) like shit like that, which is like Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for four hours for no reason and shit. So I don't know. I mean, what I'm I'm actually really thrilled to have an answer for something as to why my brain works that way. Um, I, I was going to say, like, it's got to be some measure of relief to, like, have, like, a specific thing to point to so that it's not just some nebulous, dark cloud that pops up every now and then for you and you don't yeah. know what the fuck to call it, you know? No, it's great. And now my only obsession, Max, is the wonderful island nation of Madagascar, which, by the way, mm. um, uh, uh, accounts for something of some motocross and lemur. Le- 50% of all lemurs on motocrosses happen in Madagascar, Max. You can't disprove that. You can't, um, but what you can prove is that men and women there all wear the same clothes. There is no gendered clothing in Madagascar. So in spite of their unhappiness, they are at least ahead of the curve in terms of saying, who cares about the gender binary? We're all going to wear weird rectangles of cloth. Now, listen, I would never want to second guess our amazing sponsors in Madagascar, but do you, do you think that any part of the sort of like homogenized uh, outerwear is a, re- a leading candidate for why they are so unhappy? I think that that's offensive. I think you should walk it back right now. All right. I think. <laughs> no, no. I think that they're so unhappy because Madagascar is clearly the best goddamn country in the entire world. And right. it's not a it's secret. It's lonely anymore. at the top. It's, it's not lonely. a secret anymore. Uh, they, yeah. they, these people who lived there thought that they were able to hang on to this little piece of paradise for themselves forever. And suddenly right. we started flooding in with our motocross and our lemur affection our teslas and our lemur affection making movies with ben stiller who's a talking fucking lion what were we thinking these people have the best country in the world we had to go in there and dramatize it so i thought you were mad that we chose ben stiller for a lion character i thought that's where your beef was but we can't capture the magic in a bottle that is the country of madagascar and they are right to be unhappy about it that's all i'll say I've been giving this a lot of thought, Max, and I think our best bet to finally break in to like films proper is a 28 days later sequel called 28 seconds later. And we only do it. It's a 28 second film, zombies and shit. And then we get the fuck out of there. What do you think? What do you think? So is is the entire crux of this idea that it's 28 seconds long? That's it. We're in and out. We're out. It's going to be a breakdown of the plot here. Exactly what happens. 
Second one, zombie. Second 28, no more zombie. We're out of there. This is the second by second breakdown. (laughs) Then credits. (laughs) Just 26 seconds of credits. Uh, I love it. Let's green light it. I think that, you know, Killian Murphy, Danny Boyle, they're all going to be on board with it. They're going to go, get me those guys. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, it's been sitting there begging to be made. The problem is I don't have credentials or money or any of that shit to make it. But I could make a 28 second version of that movie as a proof of concept. I just love the literalism of it, you know, because like 28 days later wasn't a 28 day long film. Uh... (laughs) All right, you got me. (laughs) 